For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Hey, Sandy. Hello. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. So today we are just having coffee and chatting about some things going on in our business and in the world. And it occurred to us that this conversation would be helpful to have here on the podcast. And it's about making clients happy and people pleasing in your business. And what does that look like as you're growing your business and your company and why you should start to think critically about, you know, making people happy. We are huge proponents of building products and offerings that are crowdsourced and crowd validated, meaning that, you know, your clients or your prospective clients are telling you what they want. And, you know, that's the easiest way to build a business is to solve problems for people. But then you get to a place where you have a business and you have to make lots of decisions about how that business grows and what direction it takes. And at some point you really have to start listening to your own true North instead of just relying exclusively on other people's opinions. Yeah. As you said, we were just chatting and there's, we just came up with a bunch of examples of where you sometimes have to disappoint existing clients or the clients are so, they think they know what is the best thing for your business, whether that is like what you're offering and services or pricing. And they're just so like, I don't know how to say this, but like, they're so out to lunch. Like they just don't like, they're just thinking from their own microscopic point of view, what would work for them and please help me. Oh my God. And it doesn't make sense for the bigger business. So I think we should start with the Peloton example. Why don't you tell your Peloton story and then we'll dive into it a little deeper. So part of my life and my job is following market trends, especially in the wellness industry and in the tech industry. And so I've been watching as Peloton announced this week that we're recording this show, that they're raising their price for the first time for their monthly subscription by $5 per month. And so it's going from $39 a month to $44 per month for people who have the bikes and the treadmills to be able to use the fully interactive, you know, kind of online experience that that's connected to their bike or their treadmill or whatever. And people are going 
nuts. Like it is blowing up the wellness spaces on the internet this week. And I just, I think we have a lot to say about that. How many years did they have it at that price? Since 2014. Yeah. Seven, Mm -hmm. eight years. So a long time, they've never raised the price. And so you have this situation where you have existing clients who have religiously been using their Peloton bike and are used to paying $39 a month. And it's a really great, I mean, you get a lot like Peloton is an incredible fitness experience. And, you know, we've all, I think heard that Peloton has been struggling financially. Like they rode that kind of pandemic wave of like massive growth. They've run into tons of issues around like shipping and logistics in terms of the hardware and their, like their gear and their bikes and delivery and, you know, lots of big things. And then, you know, they've also been like struggling with growth. Like they're still growing by any, by like normal people's standards, they're very successful and they're growing as a company but that's not how the startup world works. Like you have to be growing very, very fast in order to be considered successful. And so, you know, their valuation has shrank a lot in recent months. So, you know, they're struggling in in some ways and they're making decisions based on, you know, obviously what they feel like they need to do for their company for it to make sense. And inflation is happening, right? So everything is getting more expensive. And so they've decided to raise their price and they posted this... (laughs) this graphic on their Instagram and on their Facebook channels that's showing like all of the things that you used to get for $39. And then now all of the things that you get now, and it's this grid of like, you get so many more instructors and so many more live streams and so many more classes and so many more everything. And, you know, people just aren't having it. And I think there's also this bias towards tech companies that everyone is making so much money and that like, how dare you raise the price for $5? And it's not the truth, as you've just said, we know Peloton's struggling and tech companies, I know that there was a bubble and all this, there's, there's this perception that it's just so easy. And it's just like, you create this code and away you go, you have all this passive income and it, it just couldn't be farther from the truth. And so my sympathy always lies with the company who's getting torn apart. Cause I know how much, how expensive everything is and how hard it is. And like, that would have been a very hard decision for them to make. And then to go in, you know, especially for existing users, like incredibly hard. And then to, you know, I, so I think it was a smart move on that Instagram post to actually show, like, look at the differences here. Like Mm -hmm. here's my $5 Peloton, no problem. Yeah. We'll share a link to that specific Instagram post. There are also like many Peloton Facebook groups, which have some of them hundreds of thousands of people in where like these discussions are very heated right now, but the public Instagram post feed, just the comment thread there is like useful to look at for an example of what we're talking about. And there certainly are people who are supportive of the company and who are like sticking up for the company and saying like, I'm happy to pay $5 extra a month because I get so much out of it. And it's totally worth it to me. And this is a luxury item, right? Like If you're struggling for cash, like maybe having a connected Peloton bike was not the best financial decision. And so, you know, like, I think there's also, I don't know, some issues around that where some people are, are saying like, they just actually don't have the extra $5 a month. It's not in their budget. You know, the cost of everything is going up. And so now they, something they thought they could afford and budgeted for, they no longer can. And I think, you know, inflation is happening. Lots of changes are happening in in the economy and it's easy to look and find someone specific to blame, right? So this one company that's now five charging you $5 more is now to blame. Mm-hmm. And that's easy as a human, like you want to blame someone. That's our, our natural gut reaction is to like, Hey, my life is hard because of this new series of events. And I need someone to blame and like blaming, you know, global problems is harder than blaming Peloton. 
Mm-hmm. And I just like to humanize this. There are people at Peloton on the other side who are also struggling with all the same things those customers are. And I mean, that was not a light decision. Like, again, I'm, I'm just sure it wasn't with the company yeah. because I just know, I don't know, but I can imagine what they went through to make that decision. And like the hard facts that they had to look at with their revenue, I would imagine like to make this decision. So Yeah. I don't know. I just, and then to compare that, do you want to give the other example of the tool that we use for our feedback? I mean, we get these kinds of, I mean, we have not been raising the, just to be clear, we're not raising the prices on our customers and we haven't been, but we definitely get this kind of like grumpy feedback all like, not all the time, but like, you know, enough, like when you're big enough, you're going to get people upset all the time. Like that's just part of it. And what we try to do is, you know, like, look at every comment that comes in and every message that comes in and, you know, take it with a grain of salt, knowing that you're not going to make everyone happy because here's the thing (laughs) for a company like us, we have so many competing requests. Like we have over 600 feature requests, like things are getting upvoted and downvoted just for example. So every time we release features, we're disappointing people, right? Because we chose to release some things at the expense of not releasing others. Like the opportunity cost is always there. And we have to do the best that we know how as sort of the leaders of the company to make decisions about how to prioritize things and how to order things with limited resources, like every business and every organization has to do, right? And you're always going to disappoint people. Like when you're big enough, there's people who have competing interests and priorities, you will always be disappointing some people. And that's just part of life and part of entrepreneurship and part of being a founder. So anyway, we released something recently as well. And we got some feedback, like how disappointed, you know, people were, and it's like, well, yeah. And it's because we didn't release something else. And it's like, yeah, I totally get it. Everyone's allowed to have their opinions, but you also have to understand that there are competing priorities, right? And I think that people don't necessarily, like everyone just sees their own, you know, what's right in front of them, right? That's how we are. Like, that's how we function in a really complicated society. So mm-hmm. I think it's not about blaming people who are upset and more about just knowing as like the founder of a company in a business, you just have to not take it personally. You have to be okay with just, you know, okay, that's fine. You're totally entitled to have those opinions. Just like Peloton, I'm sure was like bracing themselves for this sea of anger. And I will call it fury that's been unleashed on them. Like people are saying, I'm listing my bike for sale on Facebook marketplace right now. You know, like go ahead. go. Go Yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly, like, and that's part of the private sector and the business world is like, everyone gets to choose who they spend their money with and who they want to work with. And, you know, that's everyone's choice. Yeah. So for me, that comment that we got, yes, what you're saying is true. She wanted, we released one feature and she wanted something else. Right. And so of course, everyone's going to have their opinion on what order we should release all these new features or work on them. But the part that I found so interesting in that comment was that she, that feature that we released is marvelous.bio, which is a link of bio tool, which is super cool and beautiful and amazing. And if you don't know about it, go check it out. But she was like, you guys did that for your own self-interest. You guys did that to get the marvelous name out there. How dare you go promote yourself and not worry about the things that I need. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was like, oh, wow. Okay. So again, here's where the patriarchy comes in that women 
are not supposed to go and grow businesses and not supposed to, you know, do marketing and branding and speak highly of themselves and talk about, you know, create things that are going to grow their business because that is very inappropriate. Like that is how, what the patriarchy, like be seen, but not heard, like just be quiet, just stay small, stay quiet, stay there, but don't go build up something right? Like how dare you? And that definitely like there's these little threads of the patriarchy programming coming in on that message to me. And I think it's so interesting for all of us to stop. And like in her case, the feature that she wants will probably only happen if we can grow and go get new customers and get new clients and become bigger and have more revenue so that we can go afford to do that massive thing that she wants us to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like, she's like, your decisions for this feature, Marvelous.Bio, is hurting my business because all you're doing is going to promote yourself. Yeah. So that was hard to read. You know, a bunch of us have had a conversation about it in the company. And here's the thing like, we actually made that feature for our customers as well to succeed, yes, to get our name out, right? Like, it's, it's actually a marketing tool. So the biggest fear that we hear from our clients is around marketing and exposure and visibility. And so it was actually like not (laughs) focused on getting our name out. Although that's like a part that has to factor into everything that we do as a business in order to survive, but it was actually devised to create more marketing opportunities and visibility opportunities for our clients. So that's so interesting that that's how it's interpreted. You know, I do think you're right, Sandy, that the patriarchy is, is woven in. And I do, I don't know, you know, how, like what other kinds of feedback other companies get, but I definitely feel constantly judged, right? By like the world, you know, when you have any kind of public identity and, you know, because we're founders, we have that at least with a small or, you know, a certain group of people, like our decisions are just are out there to be judged. And I think the lesson that I want to share with our audience is like all of you are entrepreneurs, if you're listening to this or aspiring entrepreneurs. And like, this is just part of what goes along with that. And it took me years. I know Sandy, this, this stuff never has bothered you that much, but it really used to bother me, especially, I mean, some of the, some of the comments were very personal. And so I think it's just like, my message is this is part of it. Like when you get successful enough in your business, like this will come with it. We've talked before on the podcast about trolls and people like trolling you on social media. And that also comes along with your growth and exposure, but that's different. Cause those are like often, you know, I just picture guys down in their like mom's basement, like, you know, saying nasty things and writing posts anonymously. And like, that's fine. And like, that's easier for me to brush off. But when it's more personal or someone is accusing us of like destroying their life or destroying their marriage, like we've been accused of those things, right? Like, and it took a while for me as like a a person and a founder to come to terms and like really realize like, no, like we have not destroyed anyone's marriage, you know, because someone decided to invest in buying our platform and they couldn't afford it like that. They didn't talk with their partner. Like that's not actually our fault. (laughs) Like, and I just have to have like compassion for the idea that someone had to think that in order to feel better about their situation. Again, like looking for blame for some reason, like that's how humans process things, at least certain people. (laughs) So that is part of it. To me, it's like, okay, like that's where she landed and she wants us to know, okay, I'll take it, but I don't make it mean anything. It does, is not our yeah. fault that if that lady's marriage fell apart or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's you know, not listening to our podcast. No, so it's okay to I'm talk sure about it. Still... <laughs> so, yeah. but I think like the accusation, 
like how dare we go market our business or how dare, and like I'm paraphrasing here, but that's like, that was like this sort of underlying, like, how dare you go do that is like, watch me, like watch me go market my business. Like, yeah, watch me. And you should also be doing what we're doing, right? Like there's this, I'm failing or, or not succeeding or not sending the results that I want. And so the natural thing is like, it's your fault. Your actions are causing my result. And that's where I draw the line. It's like, no, we are doing everything we can to give you tools and marketing and information and free podcasts and free blog posts. And we've got inner circle, like coaching programs developed for you to really take this. It's not my fault that your business isn't. If your community isn't engaged, it's not my fault. Like I just, I can't, I won't believe that. And I do think this is more of a female thing is that it's like, it's not working. Who can I blame as opposed to like, what can I do? It's the, what we do is to empower those people to go and make decisions and go and market and grow. It's not our responsibility for it to grow. We'll give you the things, but you got to go do the work. Yeah, totally, Sandy. I mean, you know what this reminds me of is this conversation that I have been having with you and anyone else who will listen for the last decade, which is about that tension between humility and leadership. And it's like, I really believe in like humble servant leadership. Like I really believe for me, creating this company with you has been about like creating tools and serving a group of people in the best way that we can through this business that we've made, right? Like that's what drives me. That's why I get up. And I think for so long, and I I'm saying this about me, but I know that a lot of our clients think like I do, or like, at least like I used to think, which is this idea that, you know, I'm here to serve, which also means like, I have to make sure that I stay quiet. Like I don't overstep. Like humility is such an important core value of mine that I, Like if anyone comes close to accusing me of overstepping, like, well, you're here to do this for me. And how dare you try to go bigger than that or shine in some way or call attention to yourself. Like I'm very aware and like nervous about those things because it actually causes me to question, am I violating my own core values by decisions that I'm making in this business? And I think that working with you, because you're such an amazing coach and you think so differently than me, working with you and just being in business this long and having like gone through everything we've gone through so far, like I'm definitely more like on the leadership side than the humility side, where I used to like be so afraid of overstepping. And I just want to share that because I think that we don't talk about this stuff enough. And as women, so many of us identify as like, humble, caring, giving, generous, like that's who, how we want to see ourselves. And so if somebody questions that in us and they will, when you run a business, like eventually it will happen. It's really like this, a sort of assault on your sense of self, right? If you're not clear about what those boundaries are. So I just, if that's helpful for anyone else to think of it that yeah, way, that's I, how I'm I not think sure of it. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's all patriarchy. That is probably like, be smart, but do not show yeah. that you're smart. Be really good, but don't like brag about your accomplishments. Have some thought leadership, but don't talk about it too, too much, or we're yeah. going to judge you as egotistical and loud and obnoxious. Yeah, that's right, Cindy. But that's exactly how I felt until recently. Yeah. Right. But so, but like, I still believe in humility, right? Humility is still a value because I see a lot of other people like, startup founders and 
men that I know who like really don't exhibit humility at all. And I find it disgusting to be honest. A sliding scale, right? Yeah. Like it's not black or white. Right. Look at like major political figures. (laughs) Like like look at, I mean, I don't want to call anyone out right now. I don't want to have this become a complaining session about like politics or the startup world, but like there are a lot of people who like really display like sort of narcissistic tendencies and a total lack of humility. And that's revolting. And so like, how do you have what you have, Sandy, which is, you know, like the confidence and the, the ability to really not be phased by people's criticism and still be humble because you're not a narcissistic, crazy person either. Right. So like, how do you figure that out? How do you navigate that? I think it's the, I don't think about myself. I think about the people that we're trying to reach and help and serve. Yeah. What do they need to hear? And then everyone else can judge me however they want to judge me. And I don't care. It's the focus on the people that I want to help and attract. So if I try to whatever, show up on social and, or do a podcast or something that's public and worried that people are going to judge me and to tone it down and tone it down and tone it down so that I please everyone so that everyone's like, oh, isn't she humble? So smart and so good, been so successful, but so humble Then I have not served the people that need to hear me. So Mm -hmm. I think there's this, I don't know, like I just think about what is the message I need to get out? What is the message I need to get out? What do they need to hear? What do they being not everyone, but to our ideal clients who want to build something substantial on the internet and women who have ideas for businesses that are so afraid to speak or afraid to, you know, start something that they're overwhelmed by or nervous or uncomfortable. I don't know. I just don't have that. I know you've always spoken about humility and I've always struggled to understand what that is. And then I do want to contrast what you just said to, I'm reading billion dollar loser, uh, which is the story of, of Adam Newman, who is like (laughs) the opposite of that. That's one of the guys I'm talking about. He is just like, I'm going to be the president of the world. Like he's just, Mm -hmm. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change humanity. I want people to do things differently. Meanwhile, his staff are working, you know, for very little and working 12 hours a day and no holidays. And he owns two places in the Hamptons. Like that is the definition of what you don't want to be, but he raised, no, I don't want to raised hear it. <laughs> so much money. Yeah. And so that's the confusing part, right? Like nobody would call him out on his bullshit. They were all like in awe of him and his vision and what he wanted to create. And they just kept giving him money, even though the numbers did not make sense. So it, that part is so confusing. Like you can, he built a business on personality and ego, which is mm-hmm. the opposite of what you're saying. So, yeah, but, but it's not uncommon. He just took no, it to an extreme. Oh, not uncommon. No, yeah, no, but that's just like the perfect example. And if you had a, can you imagine having a book called million dollar loser about you? Like <laughs> it's just the worst title. Yeah. But like oh. the more fame, the better, right? Like I think on some level that's probably if it sells more books, you know, like I would be devastated, but yeah. I doubt that he is like, I don't know, Maybe. Him, but I Maybe. doubt that he is, is, is what I would say. Like, it just feeds more into the brand. Like he's more famous to more people, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think that that's the fear at the root of, of mm-hmm. many of us is that that's how we will be perceived yeah. as Adam Newman. And so or Donald Trump or whoever, right? Like that you are going to be seen in a way that doesn't 
resonate with how you see yourself or how you want to see yourself. And I think that part of this is just having the confidence to know yourself and to have people around you that like know you and love you. And like, you can see yourself reflected back in their eyes, but you also can't control that at all, right? Like all you can do yeah, is sure. believe in yourself and go yeah. out and be who you want to be to the best of your ability in that yeah. moment. And everyone's going to perceive you in the way that they perceive you. One lady thought we ruined her marriage in that moment, right? And right. so for us to like, oh, we have to be quiet because we don't want to, you know, ruin marriages, <laughs> like, you know, obviously not going to work. So it has to come from believing in an inner confidence that the work you do is important, that the voice that you have, the body of work you have is important and worth it and allow people to have their own judgments and not make it mean anything less than you're doing the best you can. I agree with you, Sandy. I just, I also, you know, I don't want to get into this on this show because this is still like something I struggle to talk about with my previous life and career, but there are situations and, and I think because of the work that I did before becoming an entrepreneur, and I do think you're right in entrepreneurship, but I do think that the work that I did prior to this, which was being a human rights lawyer, essentially the people who become that <laughs> the people who be, who are little children and grow into the career that I grew into, you do it because like you want to save the world, right? Like I had those big lofty and I still do like, that's who I am like deep down inside. I want to so remake did Adam, the world. Adam Newman. So did Adam Newman, right? Like I'm just <laughs> like him only I wanted to do it in this like very humble way that aligned with my values. Right. So like helping people who are going through like very traumatic things and like trying to protect the most vulnerable places in the world from climate change, like before that was a thing, right? Like the people really talked about and you go into certain places, like not your own community. Like I would go and be around people that were not where I was from. And there's something really dangerous about coming in and saying like, Hey, I'm so smart. Look at all of like the training I have and look at all the things I've developed and invented and systems and ideas and books. And like, I'm going to save you, right? Like that's very problematic. And so my, like, if you want to understand the root and if the listeners want to understand the root of my like humility complex, cause that's what it essentially has become is a humility complex. It is because I was like often called out for like proudly, like as this like little star student turned, you know, like inventor of bodies of work who like was constantly praised and rewarded for being innovative and thinking differently and coming up with new ways to like manage the world and systems and cultures and places. Like when it actually came, push came to shove and I was sharing these ideas, like with people that I wanted to have their lives transformed by, like I had a real reckoning there with like, you don't know us. You're not from here. Get out of here, little white girl. Right. Like that was what I learned in my previous life. And that's like real. And there was like a lot of really helpful, really honest learning that came from that. And so my, my own way of thinking and my own style of leadership is very much influenced by those experiences. So like, that's where my humility complex comes from. And like, rightly so, like I was young and super naive and still super proud of so many things that I've done, but also like, didn't know a lot and didn't have a lot of context in history and like had ideas that didn't all align perfectly. Yeah, no, it's good to know where that came from for sure. And yeah, yeah, we could go that's into whole, that more. That's but, a whole thing. Yeah, a whole but thing. like, I'm proud of that 
you know, whatever. I'm proud that I'm able to like learn from those experiences. And that also tempers to the extent that anything Mm -hmm. tempers my ambition that tempers my ambition because I'm like, oh, wow. I used to think I could just like absolutely do anything like anything. I thought like, okay, you know, global climate change, like no problem, like stopping war, no problem. Like take me to the middle of whatever war zone I need to go to. And like really believed all of that. And so like, that's just part of that's just being young and ambitious and naive, but like business is, is different. And I think what you're saying is really helpful to people because you don't necessarily have those same issues in business. Like there's still context and there's still like people to understanding like communities that we're serving through what we sell, build and sell. But overall, like you need to be the visionary of your leader of your company and of your Mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. And be okay. Like, yeah, people are going to have opinions of you that are not positive and it's just okay. It doesn't mean. Doesn't doesn't have to mean anything. Right. No, it doesn't have to mean anything. Yeah. No, that's so smart. And I guarantee you are not ruining anyone's marriage if they tell you that your classes or your coaching, whatever it is you're selling, you chances are, if you are not involved in the relationship, you didn't ruin their marriage. So that's a good life lesson just to pin that somewhere for the future. (laughs) Okay. Let's do join hustle. So let's do billion dollar loser. I don't know the author I'm going to look up right now, but it's not by Adam Newman. It's just about him. Okay. Is that the hustle? That could be the hustle. The author is Reeves Weedman. Okay. okay. Joy. Well, I'm going to use something that's actually like very joyful and very light after this heavy conversation, which is, I know I've talked about tea before as other joys, <laughs> the 12 pounds you bought, you know what? And I've bought more since then. So just to be clear, there's more where that came from. So I started drinking this tea called Copina. I don't know if that's actually how you say it, but it's C-O-P-I-N-A. And it's just this lovely small company that does like actually hot cocoa and tea and like, I think golden milk blends, but I do the green tea again, because I need more of that, but they have collagen in their plant-based collagen. And I drink this every day and my like fingernails and skin and hair, I've been drinking this for like three months now, every single day in the afternoon, I drink some of this and it's just like really, really made a difference. It's so good. It's delicious. I make like a little latte with it. And it's like, I never had hopped on the collagen. Do you do collagen? I hadn't done the collagen thing. Yeah, Uh I used to. But that's animal. Are you okay with that? No, it's vegan collagen. Oh, where does it come from? Like some kind of weird berry or something. (laughs) People can go look on the website. It has some like fruits that I've never heard of in it. And I think maybe coconut, but it's amazing. It's actually like totally like it's changed like the structure of my like nails and it's made mm-hmm. my hair like a lot healthier. So I don't know, it's oh. worth checking out. And I only knew about it because I also have a pottery obsession and I had ordered a, a mug in a pottery drop that came with like a sampling of it. Mm-hmm. And so I would never, you know, it's not something that I would have found or bought probably, but then it came with the sample. And then I was like, Hey, actually this stuff's like kind of good. I'm going to order more of it. And then Hmm. after I went through like one month of it, I was like, Oh, it's really changing. Like my nails are like so strong now and my hair is so shiny. So I'm going to keep buying it. So it's great. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Good episode. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Thank you, Sandy. See you folks next week. 
Hey, before you go, if you enjoy listening to our podcast and you know that your future involves teaching or coaching online, check out our Inner Circle experience. It's where we take these concepts, women in business, money, online business strategy, mindset, feminism, and help our clients take their expertise and transition it to an online offering. It's a one-year program with high-touch strategy and mindset coaching, online business courses, and the best community on the internet. To apply, head over to theinnercircle.works, fill out our short two-minute application, and if we believe you're a great fit, you'll receive access to a private advanced training on creating a profitable online business and all the program details. Go to theinnercircle.works to learn more.